Talk about keys to the kingdom this morning. You were handed a worship guide when you came in. Turn to the back. There's a place for your notes. And just get your Bible ready, and we'll look at various scriptures together. Keys to the kingdom. I'm intrigued with keys. Now, keys are very, very essential to your life and to mine on a daily basis. I mean, we, we do everything with them. We, we, we need them. Uh, matter of fact, today it's driving me a little nuts because it's kind of bulky. I come in, I put it on my credenza as soon as I walk in, but I needed it. There's Pastor Key's keys, okay? I know somebody's going to say, you need to get rid of some of them keys. They're going to mess up your ignition. I know, I know. I've already heard about it, okay? And then I got these little clicker things, and like that is like one of the coolest things God invented. Did I have a witness? Okay, you don't have one. Okay, but if you got one, they're, they're really cool. And, and I got all these keys, and, and sometimes I misplace my keys, and sometimes I don't. Although since we moved, we have this dish when you come in the back door, and it sits in the bowl. And I've been doing a lot better because it's kind of like the office. I put it in a dish, and if I put it there, maybe it's your house. You got a little hook, and you hang it on your hook, right? And some of you are like, Good idea, Pastor. I think I'll get one of those when I get home. Well, if you don't have a hook, just get a nail. Get something, okay? But I want to know, how many of you carry keys? Yeah. I, I want to do a little something. I'm just curious. I don't want you to count. How many keys are on your keychain? This is not rhetorical. I want to hear. All right, go ahead and look at them. Y'all are slow. Here we go. Look at your keys. How many keys you got on there? Somebody give me a number. Now, be honest. Don't lie. Two. No, raise your hand. That's impolite. Here. Two. Two. Five. How many? One. Eight. How many? Seven. Hold on a minute. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Twelve. Man. You get a free lunch on the fast. Water, that's awesome. All right. Now, keys. Some of you are like, I don't have a key. Well, oh, get one, okay? I mean, even, even kids, they'll have a key around their neck or something. or in their lunchbox so they can get in the house or something. Then there's two keys that are really critical probably for all of us. It's the key to our house and the key to our automobile, if we own one. And then maybe there's a third key there, and that's essential. That's the key to our office to get into work. Maybe if they haven't given you a key, maybe they're trying to tell you something. I don't know, but here we go. But doesn't it frustrate you to lose keys? Oh, man, it, it, just, you know, it, it just consumes us. It, it does me. And I, and I think about, as I look at that, a key doesn't weigh very much in itself. Now, these key rings, they're extremely heavy. But if you weigh a key, you know, it's, it's probably an ounce or maybe a couple ounces if it's a really big key, but there's, there's not a lot of weight to it. I mean, it just seems kind of insignificant, but it unlocks and it gives you authority to do great things. I mean, it, it unlocks your, your car, it, it unlocks your house, it, it unlocks things that are, you're safe, it unlocks whatever's important to you. But we, we have these basic keys, and all through Scripture or in life, we'll use the key as a metaphor. We'll use it about something that is happening that uh, like uh, there's these six keys to being a good athlete. There's six keys to being a good musician. There's keys to effective parenting. There's keys to holy marriages. There's keys to everything. And, and those keys are fine and, and needed and, and I'd encourage us to study those. Sometimes I've preached about different keys. Maybe uh, keys to great friendships or, or keys to whatever area that you're interested in. So, so keys are important. 
But I want you to write right across the top of your outline. Keys impart authority. Every time keys impart that I have an inside on it. I have some authority in this realm. I, if I have a key to the car, it means I have authority to unlock and to drive that car wherever I choose to. If I have keys to the house, I have authority to get in that house. If you have keys to your office, you're able to go in that office. Some, some offices, you, you, you don't have authority to get in every room. I, I have a master key to Christ's community. And it unlocks like all the doors in this facility. And then we have another master for the building next door. And if you have one of those two keys, you can get in different places. And of course, you know, I mean, man, if you work for the government or some big corporation, I mean, I can't even imagine. I, I've seen people with rounds of keys like this. It's just crazy. But I, I want us to just think about this metaphor, the key for a minute, that God wants us to have the keys to the kingdom. And it's a heart to obey him, to honor him. And in the fast, it's just one way, one discipline that we're learning to honor the Lord, to put Him first, to put His agenda, His, our pleasures, our plans beneath Him. To surrender them to the Master and say, Lord, what is your will? Have any of you been praying that prayer a lot through the fast? Lord, what is it you want to teach me? What is it you want to tell me? How do you want to instruct me? How do you want to advise me? How do you want to direct me? Lord, how do you want to convict me? Is there something special you want to say? And Jesus in the scripture says, I'm going to give you some keys. I'm going to give you the keys to heaven. Now, I want you to look there in your Bible. If you've turned to Matthew 16, look there with me. Now, if we'll, I know on the front of the outline it had, it, there's a mistake because I was on Matthew 6 last weekend. Somehow it happened not to get there, but it's Matthew 16, not 6, 13 through 19. And let's listen to the word of the Lord. Matter of fact, when I say that, can somebody just cut down a little bit of heat in the room, possibly? It is like incredibly hot on this stage. I don't know what it is. I'm just like sweltering. Okay. And somebody just quit liking me because you were excited today because you weren't freezing. Okay, here we go. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, you, he asked. He asked, who do you say I am? Stop right there. That is a critical question that each of us has to answer as a follower of the Most High God. Who do we say Jesus is? Let's continue. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed in you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell that you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. Look at the next part, verse 19, underlined in your Bible. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, you will be, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Now, Scripture tells us there that God gives us the keys to heaven. He gives us the keys of the kingdom. Now, I don't, I don't think a lot of us believe that. In the ancient East, years ago, and probably even now, the kings would have their palace. And in that palace, there would be doors, and doors would restrict people from going places. And there would be somebody that would hold a key, and that key was very, very important to them. It, it, it withheld people out of the storeroom. The storerooms where all the treasures were, maybe all the wheat and the grain. But it was a place that constituted uh, wealth. 
And somebody had a key to that. And if you had that key, oh my goodness, you were in a great position. You, you wore it as authority given to you by the king in that palace. Now let's translate that supernaturally, spiritually. God gives you and I keys to the kingdom of God, and we have authority in Jesus Christ. How many of you are excited about kingdom authority this morning in the house of the living God? Amen. Authority. Now, I don't think we walk in it like we should. I mean, I was this week, I've been studying kingdom for the last two months, and I've just been thinking, God, your kingdom, we're declaring your kingdom. Jesus said, repent and believe, for the kingdom is at hand. I've been doing this massive study. I've got this one book. It takes me through every one of the Gospels, and every time Jesus talked about kingdom, and it's overwhelming. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is within our hearts. And Jesus says, you have the keys to the kingdom. I'll give you the keys, said Jesus. Now, there's a lot of theological discussion in the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church and on and on. And they're saying, well, he gave the keys here, Pastor. You're misreading this. He gave the keys to Peter. He did. And I think he gave it to him as authority to the apostles. But I think we can go ahead and move it all the way. I think Jesus gives us the keys to the kingdom today as a believer in Jesus Christ, that every one of us has keys to the kingdom if we are abiding, abounding, connected to Christ. How many believe that besides me? You have keys. You have authority in heavenly places and spiritual realms. I'm going I'm to come back in a minute. Maybe you'll say, well, okay, now I see what he's trying to get. Look at Luke 12, 32. Right there across your, in this box, I wrote it. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. My father, your heavenly father, is pleased, is blessed, desires to give you and me the kingdom. The next verse is this. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but the others I speak in parables. Kingdom citizens, they repent, they think, they act, they live differently. Those that are subject to the king. Let me, let me say it this way. There's a new king in town, and his name is Jesus. And it's not us. It's not the president, it's not the governor, it's not the senator, it's not the mayor, it's not the president of your company, it's not whatever, it's not even you, it's Jesus. And there's a king, and we're subjects of the king, and we come to submit to his eternal spiritual kingdom of another realm. Now, it's so easy to get caught up in this life and build our little kingdoms, and there's little church kingdoms across the country, and it's easy to, to get caught and get off guard at your home, at your office, at your church, or whatever. But we want to come and make sure that we've established Jesus Christ is the right and holy, righteous leader and ruler reigning over the kingdom of the church of the living Christ. Amen. Lord, we love you. We want to change your mind. We want to have your focus. I like, write down Matthew 4, 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. All through the Gospels, you keep seeing Jesus keeps referring to the kingdom, the kingdom. Repent, turn, metaneo, be about me. You submit to my lordship. What do, what do keys do? I'll give you a couple things keys do. They give you authority. They give you access. They give you ownership. They give you authorization. They give you power. Keys give you freedom. They give you freedom to come and move and have your being. And in, in, the, in the church of Christ, in, in the body of Christ, we, we have keys. And in, in, in the gospel, he, he talks about this. God has given us authority to open and shut the doors of heaven. 
Now, guys, I, I've been studying this one passage, and I was talking to Nathan, a, a rabbi in our church, Greek scholar, and, and, and we, we, we've been kind of bouncing this around. I've been reading on this for years, and I'm not going to tell you right now, I, I don't think I understand it fully, and there's all kind of uh, debate and ecclesiastical discussion, and people ignore it, but I'm choosing today to move there. To, to, to get a little closer because we read it. So I, I, want you to, I want you to look down here. I want you to see something because Jesus talks about, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom, but I think I got a little ahead of myself, but I want to give you a verse first, Matthew 13, 19. I want you to look right down Matthew 13, 19. Listen to this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Did you know that? When you and I hear the words of life, the words of the kingdom, we have an adversary, we have an enemy, and he comes to do what? To snatch, to steal, to kill, to destroy. Why do you think we're in constant warfare? How many of you know you're in a war this morning? And man, the devil doesn't want you to hear what I'm preaching today. He's going to do everything he can to nullify, to make it void. But Isaiah said, when my word goes forth, it doesn't return void. There's a decision to make. And I pray we make a decision for Christ and we follow him. So Jesus says, I'll, I'll give you understanding. Ask me, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the secrets to the kingdom. And I, th I find that he does as we walk with him and we get to escape and, and move away from the attention of the devil and we understand that this kingdom is a, a priceless treasure. It's, the, it's the, the treasure of great price. It's the pearl of great price. It's the treasure that Christ wants you and I to have this morning. And I'm praying, God, let us be seekers of the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, and all other stuff gets added. Christ all the time is trying to tell you and me, seek the kingdom, seek the kingdom. Guys, I'm praying different. I've had some of this teaching, I've been digging in all week, and I've been thinking about how great the kingdom is, and I've been placed in the kingdom, and you've been placed in the kingdom if you're a citizen of heaven. And God says, it's time for us to declare authority in spiritual realms and on earthly realms that we walk in kingdom light. Do I have a witness today? So here's the deal. When I walk in to Hobby Lobby, the kingdom just showed up. When I walk into Chick-fil-A, and I ain't been there lately, but I'm going sometime, the kingdom showed up. When I walk into Walmart, I was in Walmart the other day. Now, if you work at Walmart, God bless you and come forward for prayer right now. I want to pray for you. I do not like Walmart. I just, I don't enjoy the experience. I don't know most people that do. I mean, I want to take medication every time I leave there. It's just, it's just bonkers for me. And I was in there the other day. And God's been all over about this kingdom stuff, the kingdom passages. And I was walking down the road, and Donna was on another road. We were trying to get some of our fast-friendly food, and we were doing the things. And so I would say my attitude was a little less than holy when I first got there. And, and, and I was thinking, man, this is about the kingdom. This is about the kingdom. And then I started declaring, the kingdom of God just showed up when me and Donna walked in here. And we're going to declare the righteousness of Christ. And I was walking up and down roads, and I got a new attitude. And I started seeing the people in Walmart differently. You're like, what are you drinking? I want some of that. The kingdom. The kingdom is righteous living. Holy living. Esteeming others better than myself. Loving, forgiving, honoring. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
And then last weekend we talked about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thy kingdom come. That means, God, your kingdom comes to Costco. And your kingdom comes to my house. And your kingdom comes to the church. Students, kingdom comes to your school. Kingdom knows no boundaries. The kingdom of God, the realm. Man, I, I, man I, I could preach on this forever, and I won't, but we make it possible to live in this strength. God does. Grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. God wants us to walk in grace. It's not that we can earn anything, but he, God wants us to have, make holy effort toward his disciplines, toward his ways, toward the cause of Christ. Keys do not first mean the right to control excess, but the enjoyment of having access to something. So, I don't control heaven, but I have access to heaven. I don't control the Trinity, but I have access to the Trinity. Do y'all see what I'm saying? You have access when you're a child of God. And God wants us to tap into who he is and, and, and to trust him. And, and uh, you know, having access is, is the kingdom. It's, it's living in it's what matters. Write that down. It's not just having the kingdom, it's living, having our being, walking, breathing, expressing, demonstrating the kingdom. Man, that's a word for the church. That's a word for me. It's a word for you. God, I, I want to walk in kingdom authority. Somehow we've been deceived by the enemy, and that's biblical. It's time to rise up and be the mighty army of Christ and seek more than anything else to act within the kingdom of God to have his kind of goodness in our life. And then he adds things. In Romans 8.32 it says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how he will not also with him freely give us all things. I believe that God will give us all things. He gives us keys to the kingdom. The scripture promises, the scripture mandates that. God promises he'll meet our needs according to his riches in Christ. But here's this word that I, I want you to look back. Now, I, I bet you've read it with me, and you've read it. Look back at verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I believe he does. I think we've established that. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, i got to tell you, that is not simple truth. I, I don't even know that I totally understand it. I know I've been studying it. Over the years, I've been studying this week just like a lot. But here's what I want to say to us. The concept of binding and loosening was a very common practice in the rabbi rabbinical community of the First Testament Jews. And they were loosening and binding things. They would forbid, they, they would permit. Another word would be they would forbid forbid and they would permit they would loosen they would bind things and and i don't i don't think we ever hear about it much in the church but what i'm saying is we have the authority in christ to loosen things in spiritual realms so on this fast as i've been seeking the heart of my father i started thinking about how many things are bound up and god's given me authority as a child to loosen things in heaven as it on earth how many believe we have the ability to loosen stuff according to scripture how many believe that i do but i don't think we walk in it we certainly don't talk about it. nobody ever talks to me about what i'm talking to y'all about right now so i'm really i'm kind of an infant on this but i've been reading the scripture i always blow over it you read commentaries they just skip it but i think there's some kingdom authority to be established loosening and binding 
And I think God, you know what I've been asking God? I've been God, asking God to loosen 300 souls this year that would transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I've asked it, I'm believing, I'm trusting. I believe it's going to happen, church. I've been asking God to loosen in finance. I've been praying for finance. Now I'm loosening in heavenly and spiritual places and on this earth, and I believe the finances are going to come, and I'm trusting Christ for his word. You're like, well, brother, can I get in on some of that loosening stuff? Now, it's not a magic bullet. It's a holy discipline, and I just think sometimes we miss it. And the, the keys of the kingdom here, I, I, one of them is uh, we forbid forgiveness, and we should permit forgiveness. I mean, that's a key to the kingdom. God wants us to be forgivers. If we want our prayers heard, we better start forgiving people. Now, right now, if we're really honest, and I just want to stop preaching, and I open this altar, and if we're really right with each other and want to be honest with a holy God, which we should be, this altar could possibly flood because people are saying, I'm withholding forgiveness. I'm bound up. And I, I'm praying today the Lord would loosen hearts, loosen spirits. He'd loosen forgiveness in the house of Christ. You're saying, wow, pastor, this is, this is pretty, it makes a difference. Well, I want you to fill in this blank here. Let's look at it. The kingdom of God is a, is a kingdom of, of, of forgiveness. It's a kingdom of forgiveness. Now, I like what Matthew 6, 12 says. The word says, and he forgives us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Luke eleven four, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, and do not let us yield to temptation. Luke seventeen three through four. If another person, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each turns again, ask forgiveness. You must forgive. All through Scripture, I could prove it over and over biblically. It's the heart of Jesus. Forgiveness. The kingdom's about forgiveness. So on the fast, I've been asking the Lord, is there any unforgiveness in my heart? If there is, I want, to be, I want to be right. I want to be clean. I want to be free. Did you know on the fast, it drives you and I to get our container empty? Like this morning, if, if I brought you over and y'all had dinner with us, and we sat down, and, and, and we had this one picture, and Donna comes over, and it's got rocks and dirt, and it's got a little bit of Ramsey's uh, stuff she's been eating just kind of on the side. And I go, here, could I give you something to drink? You'd be going, contaminated, gross. And then I had another picture over here, and it was crystal clear, and it was Donna's best. And we said, would you like to have this drink? You'd go, give me more. That's what this fast is teaching me and you, to get the gunk out, to get clean before a holy God. And as we do that, he cleanses because God does not fill polluted vessels. He only fills vessels that are clean and pure before him, church. Are you clean? You have gunk in there. If you want to be a kingdom person, you got to get rid of the gunk. You're like, man, this is a hard word. We're in a fast. We're seeking him with passion and intimacy. And I want to celebrate y'all. Some are not doing the food fast. You're doing other parts of the fast. All I know is I'm running into people that are fasting from things to spend more time with Jesus. And I go, bless the name of the Father. Go, church. Let's pursue him. You're saying, but... I want, I want four points in a poem. I want something funny. I'm going to talk to you about something funny. I'll be funny another day. Today, I want to talk to you about the kingdom, okay? That's what it's about. Here, I just wrote down these quick points. Reflect on your own forgiveness. The kingdom should fuel forgiveness. Consider the imperfection of others. Resist the opportunity for revenge and forgive them. Here's a tough one. Look at your own plank in your own eye before you judge and don't forgive another. 
Uh-oh, got me on that one. Build positive learning experiences and bridges through this fast to seek more of the heart of God. Release the burden of guilt that you're holding against yourself and others. Guilt absorbs a person's energy. It steals life. It's not kingdom. Set a new path. Learn from your experience of confession. This morning I was reading Psalm 32 early in my quiet time about the power of confession. And if, and if I would not be willing to confess my sin, I would dry up. And my heart would be hard and stubborn and unrepentant. But if I would, the Lord would give me great joy and he would guide my path and he would direct me and he would look over me and I went, Lord, that's what I want. No, that's what I want for you. I want God to direct your path. Do you want God to direct your path? If you do, then it's got to be repentance. Repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What a, what a great truth. Psalm 32, 8, a promise that the Lord will guide us along the best pathway and advise us. I don't know about you, but I go through my life and I kind of got things mapped out and I know how to get there. But you know, when it really makes sense, I stop and I go, Father, you know, I've been trying to run this area of my life and it ain't working out so well for me. Would you give me some guidance? It's amazing. God knows the perfect and the best pathway to get there. Now, we live in a day where we've got our iPhones and all these different paraphernalia, and we, you know, we get in our car, maybe you've got one in your car, and it tells you what to do and where to go, and you listen to it. And how many of you get excited? Hey, has anybody done any of your maps and it got you to the wrong place? Yeah, the road didn't exist. It, it showed up about two blocks wrong or whatever. But you know what? We listen to Abba. We never get to the wrong place. He's perfect. He leads us. Lord, thank you for that truth. The kingdom of God, look at this one. The kingdom of God is not conformed to the standards of this world. So if you're a kingdom citizen, you're going to look different than the world. Romans 12 one and two, he talks about, do not be conformed any longer to this world, to the pattern of this world. Do not be squeezed to the mold, but yet be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. So here's the thing. God wants to squeeze us. He wants to conform us. And that's what a lot of the word does. But if we don't get the word, we just kind of conform to whatever the world's telling us to do. L listen to John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom's not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. That's Jesus saying that, not me. So he spent his entire ministry telling disciples that he was setting up another kingdom, a different kingdom, completely different from the kingdoms in this world. So this morning, I'm asking you to be a kingdom person with me. And it means we're going to be different. It means we're going to be holy. It means we're going to be pure means we're going to be passionate about the things of the Father. And we're going to conform to the image of His Son, not to the things of this world. But they wanted an end to the Roman occupation. They wanted to return to a God-ordained, dominant Jewish nation. They wanted a, a king who would fight and defeat their enemies. They missed Him. Did you know what happened to Jesus? Did you know Jesus was all about preaching kingdom? When they found it out, they kicked Him out of the synagogue. 
So this morning, as I say this truth, and man, this place is extremely quiet today, I'm praying that God is going to give us revelation from heaven, and we're going to become kingdom people like we've never been citizens of the kingdom of Christ. Amen? That's what God wants. Well, some of you are convinced. Some of you are like, I don't know about that yet. Guys, this ain't it. This is just the warm-up for what is to come. Oh, God, I want your heart. I want your church to want your heart. Lord, we want to seek you. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Doesn't the fast teach us that? But of living a life, listen, of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom is. Life and joy and peace and fullness in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't want to squeeze out you. I want to be transformed. I pray you would transform my friends with you. Let me give you a couple of things just about the right under conform. Here it is. Fill your mind with Scripture. Yesterday, Don and I went to Hobby Lobby to get something, and we were there. I love Hobby Lobby. That is a cool story. That's a Jesus story. It really is. You're going, okay, we know. You showed up. The kingdom of God was there. It was already there before I got there. It's owned by Christians. I mean, they, they give away mass profits to kingdom endeavors across the globe god bless hobby lobby and i don't work for them i don't get anything i just i think it's cool and they also have christian uh paraphernalia and crosses and plaques and yesterday i was walking down this one row and i looked up and there was this thing i said donna that needs to go on the wall in my study couldn't wait to get it you have to come over and see it it just it just it just let me see another script is a scripture is what it was and all i'm saying in this fast in the days to come god fill our minds with scripture let us learn your perspective. Here's the second thing. Focus on positive, righteous, holy things. Colossians 3.3, 3, Philippians 4.8. also means choosing friends and entertainment that are positive and righteous and holy. Third thing, apply biblical truths to your heart. God, I want to be a kingdom man. God, I want to be a kingdom woman. Father, I want to be a kingdom teenager. Father, I want to be a kingdom child. Father, I want to be a kingdom grandfather or grandmother. God, I want to be kingdom. He'll answer that prayer. Here's the other one. Practice the presence of the Lord. Just practice His presence. Brother Lawrence wrote about that, practicing the presence of Christ. Great read. Look at the last one there. The kingdom of God is displayed when we walk in the light because the darkness walks out. I like that truth. The kingdom of God is displayed when we walk in the light in the light because then the darkness has to vanish it has to be it, it, it leaves it diminishes it's gone the light i mean okay here it is have you ever have you ever been to a cave anybody ever been to a cave hold your hands up you ever been to a cave i've been to a cave i took some youth to a cave one time i, I left a few there it was really a cool experience no no i didn't do that we went to a cave it's up in north alabama childersburg or something went in this cave and we, we're walking down and going, they've made movies in here and they've done all this stuff. Like, oh, whatever. And they go, and we're going to sleep in the cave. We're going to sleep in this thing. All right, whatever. So we walk down this winding road. We get down to the end and they start talking about stalactites and stalagmites. Remember that in science? I remember that. Okay, I was listening. Okay, and uh, so we walk out and seeing all these formations and stuff. And then we get this section. They got some lights and, and, and there's like the parking lot. There's slag, just all rock. They go, this is your bed for the night. Really? There ain't no cots? No bed? No, Bubba. You got it. All right. So we get down there. Now, your pastor was really spiritual then, okay? I'm in there as a youth pastor. 
And I'm down there. Now I'm laying in this thing, and I got dozens of teenagers. And the devil got me. And I thought, there's rocks. I can throw rocks at teenagers all night, and they don't have a clue because nobody can see anything. And I sat there all night, and I was just throwing pebbles. <laughs> and I remember this one pebble hit a kid. Oh, oh, they were all jumping up, and they were screaming and yelling. I was about wetting my pants. I was laughing so hard. Now, wasn't that mature? No, it wasn't mature. It was dumb. Especially when one of our leaders on the trip, he got a bunch of teenagers up and stood them up, and he gave them a scolding. Just couldn't confess that one. But here, but here, but, 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 but here we go. The cave. The cave was dark. But I remember walking out there, and I remember as soon as that light hit, wow, I could see. You know what? When we walk, we're the light of Christ. We should shed the light on a dark world that's broken, doesn't forgive, lustful, prideful, jealous, slanderous, murderous. Just name a sin. That's the world. And when you and I show up, the kingdom of light shines. It magnifies. And people see. Like if, if, if I stand here, man, I, I can't do it. If I look up and stare at them lights, y'all are just spots for the rest of the day. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing. The light. In 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. Walking, fellowshipping with the Father. You know, he, he says walk. He doesn't go sit in the light. Have you ever noticed that? The Bible doesn't say sit in the light. It says walk in the light. Light, walk means, has the imperative that it has movement. When we walk in the light, we're moving with God. We're not static. And God wants us to advance His kingdom by walking in the light of His word, in the light of holiness, in the light of language, in the light. It implies that profound changes come Christ has created light out of the darkness, and you are that light. Let your light so shine that you might glorify your Father in heaven. Have you had that experience? Are you seeking that today to walk in the light of Christ? Hating the sin that's bound me and held me back and loosening? I'll give you this last verse. I think it's very powerful. Colossians 1.13. I pray it all the time, and I speak of it often. I spoke of it earlier. I love this passage from Colossians. Matter of fact, I'm praying about teaching you Colossians in several weeks that we might walk through the book of Colossians together. Just praying about it. You, let me know what you think. Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's what I pray this morning. God, make us kingdom people. Help us to walk in the light of Christ that others will see something bright and appealing and attractive and holy and something they crave. God, make us a holy people. Make us holy. Let's pray together. Bow your heads. Lord, just still our hearts. I thank you for these truths, God. They've been bouncing in my spirit and my mind and my heart all week and Lord, I haven't done it justice, but I pray that people will walk away today with revelation of the kingdom and they would loosen and bind things in heaven and earth and they would realize that they have kingdom authority as a citizen, as a believer, as a child of God. 
So Lord, today I pray that we would get a heart and a passion and a desire to follow hard after you. So Lord, I thank you for this fast. I thank you for all that you're doing, all the answered prayers. I thank you for this body of faith. I thank you for healing. Father, I pray loosening of healing across this body in the name of Jesus. Lord, for David and Gloria that came in, Lord, we loosen healing in the strong name of Jesus. Lord, that you would heal them from head to toe. Lord, for Carol that sits back there that's been out for weeks, we loosen healing to release her from these headaches and to loosen her body in Jesus' name. Some of you put your hands right over there, right there on uh, Jessica right now. Ask Fred if you can first. <laughs> Lord, we loosen healing in her body from tumors and the things that she's going through. We pray for healing in the strong name of Christ. Loosen your presence in this room, Father. Move among us. Convict us. Shape us. Conform us to the image of Christ. Thank you for this sweet time, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that I would become to be a kingdom man more. And God, I pray that men and women today and boys and girls would serve notice tomorrow that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the king of their life and they would advance your purpose and your cause and not their own. Lord, we love you. And we trust in the powerful name of Jesus. In the name of Christ, I pray this prayer. Amen.